The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Hello and welcome to Elsie's production of Galactic Netcasts. I'm Gregor Sprague. And I'm Corey Scott. For all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Netcast programs, go to gncast.com. On Elsnerds, we we talk a lot of shit, and we also say the word shit. So I hope you have your (laughs) seat legs, because we're going to swear like sailors, and we're also going to spoil some stuff. (laughs) That was great. Like scurvy. (laughs) So, Corey, how was your week? It's been pretty good. I have, uh, I've done so far two and a half shows of Podcast of Terror, and I'm going to be up doing another one at 6.30 in the morning on Sunday. Why? Uh, just scheduling things. It was just kind of last minute stuff, and we want to accommodate. We've got Carrie Sims coming on, so I want to make sure that uh, we take care of her, because she's a great guest and a great friend. Okay, so... She's doing it at 9.30 then. That makes sense. Yeah. And also I want to, just as a as a kind of thing, of since I'm already talking about POT, uh, we had Derek, who is part of the uh, the production of Kane Hodder's documentary. Uh, so they've got an Indiegogo going. If you have the opportunity, go and support that. It's pretty awesome shit from a really awesome dude about another really awesome dude. And I just want to mention it yeah and since we're on the, the track of mentioning things i'm gonna go to the news and do do pull in the news article that i, I want to talk about because i saw this um and i saw this and i was excited for the fact that they have a name uh the the x top gear trios new amazon show will be called the grand tour and it's and um, J- Jeremy Clarkson announced it via Twitter um, that it's the new show called The Grand Tour, or GT for short, um, will come from a tent, which we will be which will be will be put up in different locations every week. And Hammond provided a little bit more information, saying we've got a massive tent as our studio. But then again, he's also a small man, so that could be a normal sized tent to everyone else. Bad joke aside, um, but the same tent, different view, different crowd every week. That sounds really cool to me, like. To keep it at its core, what Top Gear was, but at the same time making it different, making it to where it's not they're not going to get sued by the BBC or you know they're or you know whatever it might be, but yet still be fun, entertaining, and hopefully fingers crossed we get like double the stuff because the Top Gear that's being done by Chris Evans and Matt LeBlanc will do really really well. Yeah, it'd be nice to have more great content as opposed to losing one to get the other. It, it's, hey, if you like these these guys, you can keep watching these guys on this other show. Yeah, uh, and, and you can watch new guys in the first show. And it go and also, I mean, just, just so you're not thinking that they're all serious and stuff, James May went to Twitter to say um, that he was a bit pissed off about the chosen name saying, I'm sorry if your name wasn't used for our new show, but neither were any of mine. I still think Nigel was a better name. Um, and then some of the other ones that, they've threw, that they threw around include Automates, Tripod, in uh, uh, parentheses, Erection, and a small puddle of excellence. Those were more probably joking names, but it's still, it's one of those, like, they ha- they've always had a sense of humor. And so I cannot wait for this Autumn 2016 as it says. Yeah, that should be a good time. 
Yes. Um, and also a probably a good time when I finally buckle down and say, I'm getting Amazon Prime. I really can't believe that you haven't yet. It seems like you would have buckled on that a while ago. Yeah. Um, well, right here, the interesting thing is right now I'm considering getting Showtime on Hulu because it's only an extra eight ninety nine, And I'm like, can I, fe- can I feasibly do it? House of Lies is coming back on, and I really love that show, and I need to catch up on it. And they got really great movies, and I wouldn't have to see all the time. Get Showtime if I want to watch something. <laughs> Are um, you sure? Yeah. But, There's plenty of things where I think, okay, if I finally succumb and I, I fall into your advertising trap, sirs, then I will I will no longer have to see this crap. And it's, oh, no, you still have to see this crap. Like the amount of commercials I see on Comcast trying to no, sell I'm me not talk, I'm not talking to commercials. I'm talking about you go through, like, the because re- I'll go through, the like, the recently added TV and just scroll through to see if, like, there's anything that might be that I'm, I might be missing. Um, and I will notice some of them will be like, they'll have a little banner up at top. Like, like if, if you're not paying for Hulu, it'll say with Hulu subscription or whatever, but then you'll also be get showtime. And I'm like, I might have to do that. Yeah. You're an easy Mark. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of easy marks. So DC or Warner brothers is interested in doing a, spin-off movie of Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn uh, having to do with her and other female heroes and villains from the DC Universe. Names that have been dropped have been Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Now this is in pre-anticipation of the Suicide Squad movie uh, where Robbie is heavily featured in almost all of the trailers and they kind of seem to think that this is going to take off and it's going to have interest also, what a big deal that while we're waiting for a female-led superhero movie that DC seems to have the, the drop on Marvel by doing Wonder Woman next, we might get a movie that features a whole slew of female characters. What do you think? I think I'm of two minds because I love the idea. I love Harley Quinn. In, in my opinion, the, the one of the big staples of DC Comics right now is is the Harley Quinn book done by uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. And and this is cool, but I saw the last trailer, and I'm not completely sold on the voice that Margot Robbie gives uh, as Harley Quinn because it seems like at one point, and, and I'm keeping in mind she's Australian, so she's having to go drop her Australian accent to not only do an American accent, but to do a Coney Island like New Yorker accent on top of all that. And I'm like, uh, that sort of ruined it. But that also happened around when I was nerd fighting with a friend who I'm still set that he was just trolling me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but this is, this is smart planning because I mean, you know, the Harley Quinn book, I, th- I believe has been one of the be- the bigger sellers uh, of a book that doesn't have the word Batman in it from DC. And you know, everyone loves Harley Quinn, so I th- I think it's a good idea. I- it doesn't seem like it's a bad idea. Now, as far as voices, I mean, I'm purist. It's never going to be anybody but Arlene Sorkin for me. Yeah. Uh, she was the originator of the voice. She did it for years, and there have been other people who've emulated her. But that's not where we're going to get in the movie, and I don't expect we're going to get that in the movie. And I'm still kind of halfway between... Am I really into this, or am I only getting fooled by the the trailer? The last trailer, the last couple trailers actually for this film, completely changed my opinion of it and made it look a lot more interesting than I would have originally given it credit for. 
And yeah. I'm intrigued. Now, of course, Harley Quinn not only has her a solo book, but she famously has been in a she was a team up book before called Gotham City Sirens, which was her Poison Ivy and Catwoman, uh, two characters who haven't been established yet in the new DC universe, uh, DC movie universe. But of course, as far as we know, neither is Batgirl, although there were all these hints that someone, say Jenna Malone, was supposed to be playing Batgirl in Batman v Superman, and we never saw her actually make it into the film. And maybe that's coming up in Justice League. I'm not sure. But it has potential. Obviously, the hotness of Harley Quinn is at a level of what Marvel's had success with with Deadpool. They Commonly, they look at the two in comparison to one another. I'd say it's maybe more the team doing Harley Quinn than just the character herself. Because Harley's been around for a long time and had different levels of success. But was never the level that she's achieved since Jimmy and Amanda took the book on uh, themselves. So I think it's it's kind of a perfect storm of things. Margot Robbie's also been blowing up on the big screen. Uh, the first thing I saw her appearing in that I didn't know anything about her before that was Wolves of Wall Street, and she did very that. well from that. Yeah, I can beat that. The first thing I saw was her first American role and that she was on the ABC show Pan Am. Yeah, I did not watch that. Well, I did. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it it could be an excellent move. It could be a very dumb move. It, it's always worrisome when they just decide, oh, we're going to do this because we think this is going to be something that people want, but we have no idea if people are going to want it because we can't react to a film that hasn't come out yet. At the same time, I'm not going to piss on it because it sounds potentially... Like, it could be great. Yeah, and my thinking with this is my same argument on why I I am not going to go pay money to see Batman versus Superman. And that is, they have to nail the heart of Harley Quinn as a character. They can't just go, oh, here's Harley Quinn, and, you know, here's Batgirl, or, you know, any of these other characters, and that's it. Because we get the, we end up getting, you know, a Batman versus Superman that my fr- two of my friends tried to argue they didn't make the movie for comic book fans that they would make more money doing it this way. And I'm like, yeah, but if you look at the reviews like I did for this movie, because I was still unsure with, with it and you're mildly interested in them, or you watched Batman, the animated series and justice league and Superman at, when you were younger, then that movie doesn't scream. Watch me. It screams. I'm a pile of crap. Now, I've, I've gone on record as to, now that I've seen it, what my opinions were of Batman v Superman. What I'll say is, a difference here is that Harley is already going to have the ability to be somewhat established from Suicide Squad. Yeah. So, if they introduce 30 other characters in this, yeah, it's going to depend on how much we really get to find out about each of them, comparatively of like how... How interested we're going to be, how smart the film's going to be in using them, that kind of thing. But if it's a couple of other characters, if it's she goes up against a female hero or a team of female heroes, uh, or she walks a line between some heroes and some villains, all of those things can add up to being something interesting. And if she's our, our window to it, then that's kind of okay. The pro- One of the problems, I'll say one, uh, of uh, Batman v Superman for me was that Superman really was our entry point 
and he was almost not involved in in the film comparatively to some of the other characters. It was not a Superman movie. It was more a Batman movie, more a Luther movie than it was Superman, and he was the one that we, at that point in time, knew the most about. So it was a little confusing to go that route, but... My problems with that film go so much deeper, it doesn't matter. No, so yeah. this is this is still something we'll have to see, but it could be could go either way. I'm leaning towards at least fun, because so far Margot Robbie's version of Harley looks fun, yeah. which is what I'm aching for in the DC movie universe. No, yeah, definitely. So the next story that we got coming up is that Fox is already working on an X-Force movie and that Brian Singer has pitched... X-23 to Fox. Yeah, now, X-23 for people who are not comic book affluent is a clone of Wolverine. She was introduced in the X-Men cartoon series in the 90s. I believe it was X-Men Evolution. Yeah. Uh, And she has, similarly, she has claws on her hands. She's got two claws in each hand instead of three. And then she has a claw that comes out of each foot. But she was cloned from Wolverine, so they have a history in that regard. She has similar power sets, and she has taken over, essentially, as Wolverine in the comic books at this point. She's running the Wolverine title since they killed Logan's character off and then brought in uh, Old Man Logan in a different book. And I think, from the rumors, that she might be introduced in the Wolverine 3 movie coming out, uh, at least in the sense that some way to pass the torch from him on down to her. I don't know how it's going to work with all the time fuckery that's going on with Singer's films, but yeah, X-Force is already something that is being considered in the sense that Deadpool... They want to introduce Cable in his sequel. Cable, for most of the time, uh, was the leader of X-Force, was the, was the founder of X-Force, spun out from the New Mutants, which they're already talking about working a New Mutants movie as well, so I don't know if one is going to lead to the other in that regard or if they're going to be completely separate. But the series where X-23 was a part of it was Uncanny X-Force, yeah, uh, which is a little different. Not all the same characters from the original book. Certainly a a more espionage, assassin, strike force version of the X Men, uh, using their powers to kind of violently go after their enemies as opposed to trying to build a peaceful world, uh, which you haven't seen a lot of in the regular X movies anyways, because it's always Magneto's coming by and just like, hey, magnetic dickery. And (laughs) and then it's just like, okay, we got to clean this up now, Charles. Uh, Sure thing, beast. Why are you looking like a human? Whatever. So, yeah, I'm I'm interested sparingly. I'm, I'm... so not the audience for the X-Men movies at this point, which is weird because the X-Men were my jam for about 20 years, but I have not been impressed with anything since X2 other than Deadpool. And Deadpool I'm impressed with probably because it's separate from the rest of it, even though it does involve some X-Men uh, crossover stuff. But if this is in someone else's hands, maybe this will be what gets me into it again. Well, it looks like Simon Kinberg is writing the early first draft script of it. So, you know, we'll see. The next bit of news is that Kevin Smith is reportedly turning The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai into a TV series. So I guess he came on to his Hollywood Babylon podca- uh, podcast and stopped talking about uh, Batman vs. Superman. Uh, the Dong of Justin, and discussed all the opportunities he's received since directing an episode of 
of CW's The Flash. And apparently one of those is doing the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. So, yeah, I mean, this is pretty cool. Have you I, ever seen Buckaroo Banzai? I have not. All right. There is almost no way to describe this movie. Uh, it came out in 1984, which is sort of a magic time for films anyways. It was not a success. It was not a big, huge warmly welcomed movie. It was one of those things that people wound up watching on cable and going, what in the hell is this? Who are all these people? What is this about? I don't understand. But it's Peter Weller. I don't remember if this is pre or post RoboCop, but it's around the same time. Jeff Goldblum, John Lithgow at his craziest as the villain in this. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Just a whole bunch of people you can't imagine winding up on the screen together. It came across like there was so much meat there that it had to have existed for 50 years and they're just adapting to the screen. But it's not. And then it also pitched a sequel uh, in the credits, uh, Buckaroo Banzai Against the World Crime League. Never happened. But you felt like you were watching something in the midst of a serial of films, like the old adventure films, like the Flash Gordon stuff or the Lone Ranger kinds of things. Like, there was just so much there, and it was just insane. Uh, for some reason, partway through it, Jeff Goldblum's character decides he wants to dress up like a cowboy. No reason why, just to do it. I remember distinctly Lithgow playing his villain character on an episode of Seven Night Live, and he's just so batshit, it's brilliant. I can't tell you anything about this movie other than that, because I remember so little of the the distinct parts. I think at one point he drove a car through a mountain and that's how he wound up in this other dimension. But I don't know a lot beyond that other than what a great fucking time this has got to be. And I know that Smith is saying that he'd like to get some of the original actors like Lithgow and Lloyd and uh, Weller in this, but not as the same characters, like maybe playing some of the villains. And Smith himself has shown some interest in playing, I think, John Big Booty which is Lloyd's character. I think Smith wants to play that one. So, yeah. Get on Smith I, for trying to do this. Yeah, and I think this would be his first TV series that he's directing. Of like, his own series? Well, I mean, he he's directed he directed the pilot for Reaper. Yeah, but like with him doing, you know, a whole series, being the showrunner and Yeah, being showrunner sort of deal as opposed to coming in and directing, you know, like an episode of The Flash or, you know, the pilot for Reaper. Well, he um, did direct the series of uh, Clerks, the animated series. Okay, well, okay, first live action. Let's add the asterisk here. <laughs> we can keep pinning this. This is the first one that's based off of a 1984 movie <laughs> that has Lithgow and Weller in it. Uh, yeah, I remember talking with uh, Glenn from, you know, obviously. Don't tell Glenn Productions. Don't tell Glenn Productions the original What We're Watching Weekly, Game On, peace be with you. And Glenn <laughs> talking about Kevin Smith and just being kind of disappointed because Kevin Smith was sort of our dude, you know, for, for a generation of people. Kevin Smith did Clerks and it was widely beloved and then he did Mallrats and it was widely despised except by the fans uh, and it found more of an audience as it went on in time chasing Amy. And then he kind of fell off of directing and writing and got into podcasting, which only dicks do. And then he he fell really into the pot stuff, and it seemed like he lost his drive for a while. It seemed like he just 
he wasn't doing a lot of his own things. Now he's been doing stuff that is more sideways. I mean, he's not doing it deep in Hollywood, but he is making things like Yoga Hosers. The trailer was just recently released for that, which is a follow-up to Tusk. He did Red State. So he's he's being more experimental now. But Glenn was kind of like, you know, it just seems like he had so much potential and then he just let it go to waste because he wanted to sit and get high in his house and, and record shows that are basically him talking stories about when he used to be in Hollywood. So this is nice to see Smith go and start making art again. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to talking about when he made art, uh, which... You know, if that's what you want to do, that's okay. That that's what you want to do. But I think this is a little bit more encouraging. Now he's also he was going to do the big screen version of the Green Hornet originally. He also I think had an interest in doing the Bionic Man once. So Smith is a guy who's got that nostalgia factor. He wants to go and do some things with these old properties that he loved when he was younger. This is just so out of left field, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm totally on board for this. Nice. Um, so how on board are you with our next news story with ABC announcing their new fall schedule? The fall schedule meaning the, one particular the, move? Well, it's there's quite a bit of moves in here, but the big move is that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will now be at 10 p.m. on Tuesdays. So the whole schedule will go... The middle will be at 8. There's a new show, I believe, at 8.30... American oh, Housewife. Yeah, American Housewife. And then Fresh Off the Boat at 9. Oh, there it is down here. And then uh, Fresh Off the Boat at 9. Real Neals. Yeah, Real Neals at 9.30. And then Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, yeah, so basically they've taken Fresh Off the Boat and Real Neals, moved them back an hour, dropped the middle in there from Wednesday to the same time slot now on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and put in their let's see if we can make something new stick uh, show in between them. What I'm kind of confused about is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started out at 8 o'clock when it began, then moved to 9 o'clock, and now they're moving it to 10 o'clock. They're saying this is going to allow the story to go a little bit darker or more mature, maybe. I'm not sure exactly what that means. I mean, if the show makes its syndication and they keep changing the tone, that's going to be very confusing for the viewer Of at that point. I I just kind of, I'm more worried because 10 o'clock's a weird time to try to get people to watch what is sort of a superhero show. And I don't think it's a, that that is the case. I think it's more of, they looked at all the shows, you know, like all the superhero shows that were airing on Tuesdays, or, you know, comic book themed shows, and they figured that the best time might be to do 10 o'clock, where they're not going against any other show. Yeah, but I don't know what they were... I mean, because you see a definite drop. Tuesdays is the Flash at 8, and that's sort of why they moved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. up to 9. But when the Flash was over, the, the numbers distinctly drop between the Flash and iZombie. And I'm not saying that iZombie is not a great and beloved show, but I'm saying that those people who are watching the Flash went somewhere. And I'm pretty sure they went over to ABC to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and now they're saying, what, that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't want to compete with iZombie either? That's what I think it could be. I mean... I don't know. I'm, I'm a little hesitant on that. I think, honestly, we're still talking about watching things live, which I don't do. Uh, I don't watch these shows when they're airing. I watch them on the DVR later on. So it doesn't matter to me what time it, it's playing, but I am kind of confused as to, you know, 
who they're targeting the show for. Now, the other thing is that um, there was, we'll get to it, but there was the cancellation of Agent Carter, and there was supposed to be a spinoff for Bobby and Hunter uh, in a show called Marvel's Most Wanted, which has so far been basically not picked up. They they did a pilot, and they said, no, we're not interested. I've heard rumors that that could still happen, but right now I'm more interested to see those characters come back to the show somehow, and maybe they want to take some of the storylines they were planning for that show, which seems like it could have gone a little bit more mature in in rating than uh, than what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been. And if they if they do that, then that could totally change what S.H.I.E.L.D. has been. Yeah, I don't know. And there's more, and we'll talk more about that next week when we talk about the show, the new shows and, and renewed shows for our big discussion. But first, I wanted to hit on our what we're what we've been nerding out about, and I can't wait for yours. But I'm gonna start with mine, and mine is a show called Siblings. Siblings here airs here in America on Hulu, um, where they have both seasons up so far, or series. From this point forward, I'll be referring to them as series, as they do in the UK, much like I would do on Pod Save the Queen. But the show stars Hannah Ritchie, who you would know from a show called Fresh Meat, which also airs on Hulu, and it's about these two, a brother and sister as they're going through life. Uh, Hannah or uh, Charlotte Ritchie plays a uh, slacker. She, she's a slacker, but yet she has a job. But she only does as mu- the, like the bare minimum of what her job requires, sort of deal. And she's proud of that. And she'll she'll do what she wants to the other, and call other people out. Um, like there's one episode that I watched where she was dead set that the she kissed a guy that she kissed this one guy on at when they were doing in the drama club and they were doing, it was the final night of the, the play Peter Pan and he just whipped her around, kissed her and then ran off. So she's, and they're at the funeral of the drama teachers or the drama. I don't know if he, he would be a teacher, but I'm a calm teacher anyways, the drama teacher's funeral. And she's dead set trying to get him to convince him that, Hey, let's hang out because he moved to New Zealand the next day. That just shows you sort of her drive. Like she's when she has something in her mind, she's determined she will go get it. Her brother Dan, on the other hand, is a slacker in all sense of the word. He's dopey at times. Like he's very gullible, and he he gets into a lot of the trouble out of the two. But it works. Like it tends to work out more in his favor than oh hey I'm in trouble. It's just sort of like all right here's the mess and I'm gonna back away. There's 12 episodes over the course of two series, uh, six episodes apiece, and I got through the whole first season, or series, sorry, slip, um, and I enjoyed it. It was really funny. Um, there is language, it's not rated here on, in America, but it just means they swear. You don't, there's not, it's not like anything like Game of Thrones or anything like that, um, or HBO shows where, oh, hey, we're going to show you boobs. Or else, nerds. Or, or else, yeah. Well, uh, we're, we're metaphorical boobs, yeah, word. <laughs> um, but the show, the show is really good. I mean, it's just it's one of these brilliant shows. Um, the last season or series, uh, series two, aired uh, started it started airing in uh, January sixth of this year, so it is really new. Where series one aired in uh, two thousand fourteen, and BBC hasn't decided whether or not to renew it for a third series. Because it airs, it aired originally on BBC Three. So if it did, it could air on BBC Three as a digital exclusive show. This could be one of the big shows to 
help them lo- to help that that platform take off because I haven't really seen all that much on on BBC Three that screams original that's not a repeat of something that aired on BBC One or BBC Two sort of deal. But that's just my thoughts on it. Check it out. It's on Hulu. I don't know if you have to have the paid subscription model or not, but if you don't, hey, it's there. Check it out. Um, so, Corey, are you, are, are, I'm half tempted to say, are you just tormenting yourself by watching horrible movies? A little bit. Now, okay, okay so I watched what, when I read the title as they wrote it up, <laughs> I want to call it Fan Fuckstick, but it's uh, <laughs> the Fantastic Four from from Fox Studios, who brought you such great things as other Fantastic Four movies. Fantastic Four with Jessica Alba. <laughs> right. Fantastic um, Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. This is a film that, let's be honest, it took some shit when it came out and was in many ways uh, being compared to the worst movie of all time. Now, I just did a review of what is one of the worst movies of all time uh, on another show, but... Did this get treated unfairly? Is this a problem with the director only? Because there was a lot of back and forth about Trask, who was the director on this film, just Trank. kind of... Trank. Yeah, well, that's right, because it makes me fall asleep. Um, well, and Trask was the was Peter Dinklage, his character in uh, Days of Future Past. <laughs> Days of Future Past, right. Uh, so Trank did this movie, and kind of right before it came out, went online and went fuck it all to everybody by saying the 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 company ruined my masterpiece and they came in and tore up my story and blah 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 now he'd already been removed at this point from one of the Star Wars films that he was all set to direct uh, they one I believe right probably uh, I think that is the case and they were like oh we uh we kind of changed our mind on working with you I'm not sure why but Maybe it's because you're a screaming ninny. So here's the thing. Fantastic Four, young cast, just introduced for this. Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan, the black Johnny Storm that oh also gosh. caused its own upstorm on uh, online. The uh, His sister, Kate Mara, who it is confirmed in the movie, is adopted. Uh, so internet... Hey, put your dicks away. We get it. Uh, Jamie Bell plays Ben Grimm, and Toby Kebbell plays something that is exactly unlike Doctor Doom. The reason why I watch this is because you're a glutton for punishment. No, partly. Yeah, I I, I like the torture. I like a finger up my butt once in a while, but Hey-oh. but mostly because Kinberg told Den of Geek that he really wants to make another Fantastic Four movie, and he loves the cast, and he just thinks that they could get it right. Now, they have not gotten it right. They have a very rich history of getting it completely wrong, and I kind of thought, is this what he's saying? Can I, can I take him to court? Because is this considered a threat? I feel like it might be a threat. But to find out, I had to delve into it and and basically make a case. And here's what I'm gonna say. Okay, hold, watched... hold up, hold up. Let's yeah. actually do this. I'll be your, I'll be the judge. Let me get my judge hat. Real quick. No, 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 no. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back. I'm gonna take it back because I watched this and for about 
30% of the movie, it's kind of okay. And then it's, yeah, I can deal with this. And then it's way off into the fuckery zone, um, which I believe is a where Nihilus comes from in the comics. I'm not exactly sure. I don't read this. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I've got to I've got to start out with I am not a fan of the Fantastic Four. I've never been a fan of the book or the characters. I kind of think Mr. Fantastic is maybe the lamest character of all time because one his power set is stretching and stretching is not an interesting power set. I don't know that it ever was, but it works on certain characters like Plastic Man because Plastic Man is a living cartoon. It even works in a certain respect on Elongated Man because what makes him interesting is, one, his marriage, and two, that he's actually a detective, and that he gets his powers from drinking a cola. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, Elongated (laughs) Man gets his powers from drinking something called Gingold Cola. I don't know why, but... Okay. That's, that's actually the truth. Reed Richards is the professor on the Powerpuff Girls, except not as fun. <laughs> and then he fucks up and gets all his friends infected with these abilities, and then he stretches. And we're supposed to look at him like a leader. He's not. He's he's kind of terrible. I'm going to say something, and I'm surprised at this, in that uh, Miles Teller was not awful as Reed Richards. Because, one, they're skewing young. Two, they didn't do the he-doesn't-pay-attention-to-anything version of Reed that they they do a lot, which is, oh, I'm just so in my head all the time. Oh, I'm stretched thin. Ha-ha, that's why I stretch, folks. It wasn't like that. He's, He's interested in the world outside of himself, but he is very driven towards this experiment that he wants to do. The other characters are all reasonably serviceable. I read some stuff about Kate Mara like having no emotion or something. I don't see that on the screen. There's some points where she and Reed are flirting. It seems natural. It seems to fit where they are in the story. At that point, Johnny Storm gets introduced as, oh, well, we've turned him into a African-American teenage character, so obviously he has to be into street racing because that's what you do. Um, but... Johnny Storm does have a history of being a guy who would street race and Mm -hmm. of liking speed and stuff. So I get that part of it. What I don't exactly get is how he suddenly becomes the mechanic for this super scientist group, as opposed to Ben Grimm, who they kind of set up to be that way from being a kid who works in the local junkyard and has access to all these parts. Ben just gets included because he's Reed's friend, and then Reed's like, hey, we're going to go to teleport ourselves to another dimension. You should get over here. Okay, I'm going to go jump into this secret military facility with you guys, and we're going to drunkenly go to another world and uh, fuck everything up. So that's a little dumb. So he's not like the pilot. No. No pilot. There is no piloting in this. And, And this is sort of where things go off the rail, is so the three guys and the thing that is not Doom who also gets pulled back into this thing and is some anarchist bullshit guy who hates the world but uh, has a hard-on for Sue, I guess. They don't really establish that too much, but then it becomes more prevalent later on. They all decide, after a few nips from 
Doomless's flask. Let's go do this ourselves so we can be the guys who walk on the moon as opposed to the guys who designed the rockets and got those dudes to the moon that nobody remembers. And then, yeah, like I said, Reed's like, well, I want to call my friend who helped me get this job in the first place so he can come with us. Uh, even though he's only four foot tall, and I don't know how we manage to fit him into one of our spacesuits. And as they're over there, Sue gets a warning. Sue's the only one who gets some magic warning that says the device is going off and people are using it. So she goes into the into this giant fucking facility in a government-run place. She goes in there, and she's, like, trying to bring them back. And because she brings them back, she gets hit with some of the energy that infects them all and gives them all their powers. And Doom Schmucker is stuck in this other place until later on in the film when they need to go back yet again because the military is like, hey, we want we want in on that shit. You created a guy who turns into giant rocks, and we we're sending him off on missions to kill people. You invented a guy who turns into fire, and we're going to start sending him off on missions to kill people. And you got us this invisible girl that we're going to somehow send her on missions to kill people. And after Reed has been running around not helping his friends, he just escaped and has been on the run and practically doesn't do anything to prove that he's a good guy, uh, they bring him back. They don't really seem too interested in sending him on missions to kill people. They want to have him go and create this thing again so that they can go send other soldiers to get those powers. And that's when Foom comes back through and starts blowing people's faces off with his mind. This is where this thing becomes a total absolute shit show. So in every case so far in the Fantastic Four films, they don't know how to do Doom at all. They don't understand his powers, his abilities, his motivations, anything. And that is the inherent issue that everybody has had with Fantastic Four movies. You can say, yeah, the the other ones were a little too silly. You can say that maybe some of the actors or actresses don't seem like the characters from the books. All those things may or may not be true. But everybody agrees. They They just don't get Doom right, even slightly. And I think that this has been shown enough that we have to take... Anybody who says, oh, we want to try Fantastic Four one more time, no, you don't deserve it. You're never going to do it right. You're never going to make a good movie with these characters. You don't know how. You should stop. You should stop and you should walk away. So this is not a judgment on the actors. This is not a judgment on, on Fox in and of themselves. They just can't make this thing work. And I, I don't know if it's if it's something that even Marvel could make work, because like I said, inherently, the Fantastic Four, the the main hero from it is silly and unlikable. And the other characters are mostly just silly. And in their best era, they worked because it was the guy from Father Knows Best married to Donna Reed with the Bowery Boy who turned into a giant rock monster and a little anarchist beatnik who's like, cool, man, I can turn into fire and fly around. That was it. And it was the space race, and it was science fiction and all of this great stuff, like monsters and everything else, things that used to captivate us. They don't really captivate us in that way anymore. And every every time that they try to do something like that, like J.J. Abrams has tried to done it, do it here and there with his movie about the kids uh, with the... Uh, 
Super 8. Super 8. Uh, and Brad Bird tried to do it recently with his Disney movie Tomorrowland, uh, which I've seen recently, and I, I really enjoyed it, but I get why it's not going to get a broad audience. I think that's a problem with the Fantastic Four, is the only thing people really want from the Fantastic Four is their villains. Yeah. And that's obviously the most valuable thing to both Fox and Marvel, but if Fox can't get the villains right, and they, they couldn't get Doom right in either incarnation, they couldn't get Galactus right, so they, they turned them into space bugs, they couldn't get the Silver Surfer that interesting, and they had Lawrence fucking Fishburne playing him, and um, Doug Jones. Doug Jones, right. So in all of those things, they are just wasting gold by making brown, essentially, up on the screen. And, yeah, I, I'm i going to say, again, because I wasn't as attached to these characters as I am to other characters, I didn't hate this as much as I hated Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. And And, like I said... The beginning of it is kind of okay. It actually reminded me of a movie I love from the 80s called uh, The Explorers, which is kids designing stuff to make essentially a, a spaceship. A lot of it was like The Explorers, and I kind of just wish it would have continued to be that movie. Instead, they had to try to give them something to fight. And in the climax of the film, Reed outthinks Doctor Doom by having... Ben punch him. <laughs> that's that's the big plan. Yeah, I don't know. It. I still want to see the uh, uh, Marvel get the rights back to the Fantastic Four because I believe Kevin Feige could make a, a great Fantastic Four team. I think he could do something with it in the way of what they did with Spider-Man, which is just, we're going to give you the characters, we're not going to give you all of the extraneous stuff to get you to understand the characters. We're just going to throw them here, mm-hmm. and you'll get it. You'll get it, and you'll enjoy it because of what we're going to do with them. And and trying to do the origin and trying to tie Doom into the origin over and over again, it, it's not doing anybody any favors over at Fox. No. All right, so let's get into our big discussion here. And this is the canceled shows over this past year. And it's starting with, let's, let's start with ABC, because, you know, there's a few shows in here that we watch. So we, we have seven veteran shows canceled, five freshman shows canceled with a total of 12. So you have Agent Carter. Now stop me if you want to talk about any one of these. You got Agent Carter canceled after two seasons. The Astronaut Wives Club canceled after one season. Castle, which this one was a shocker to me, because like I had heard the rumors of um, they the, were going to continue the show except without without Beckett. Yeah, and the, actually both female leads were going to leave the show essentially. Yeah. and I told my mom that, and she's like, "What?" Like she was, she looked like she wanted to punch me. I'm not surprised because the numbers have gone down and they've had some issues with showrunner changeovers and things, but people were kind of coming back to it because they were interested to see how they were going to continue Castle Sans Beckett, what that show was going to be, and then they decided that it still it wasn't going to work for them. Yeah, and then Gallivant got canceled after two seasons, which I sort of see, but at the same point, at the same time, I am disappointed in that one. Nashville got canceled after four seasons. Rookie Blue, which was a summer sh- uh, show, got canceled after six seasons, and The Whispers, which was also another uh, summer show, got canceled after one. 
Yeah, now, those... Rookie Blue, man, I, I'm just impressed that it made six seasons. Like, I remember them always advertising it in summertime, and I'm like, well, that's not going to last. And then it kept coming back. I think the big part of it was it was a co-production with one of the Canadian television shows. That's possible. And, so, I mean, Mistress is the other one that it's kept coming back, and it lost it. its lead. Alyssa Milano left the series but it, it's continued on, and I am I guess people are just hungry for any kind of new content over the summer. Yeah. I mean, they could be good shows. I didn't watch either of them, and they both had people that I liked in them, but they just weren't the kind of shows that I was interested in watching. No, yeah. Um, I'm trying to find... Well, it's filmed in Toronto, Canada. Now, Agent yeah. Carter obviously is a, a big deal because, I mean, I love that show. I love those characters. I'd like to see it at least come back for the occasional movie or a tie-in with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like some crossover story where we might get some closure. Yeah. We we talked before about Agent Carter herself, her involvement in the new Captain America Civil War movie. And so we get some finality with her anyways, but that doesn't finish up where we were with the end of the season. And there's we, we've already been going backwards in time to revisit this character, so there's so much story that can still be told with her. So there is a petition online of people who are trying to get it picked up by Netflix, but the lead actress, Haley Atwell, has already got a new show coming out on ABC next season, so yeah. the likelihood is not great, but yeah. I would still love to see her involved in the MCU and somehow. And Corey, Corey I, got, I got one special quick announcement here uh, brought to my attention by Beatmaster. According to rumors, ABC just canceled Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> 12 um, cancellations. Uh, yeah. It's like the 12 well, it, days of Christmas. So uh, except nine lords are stepping on your dreams of getting another season of Castle. Yeah. So I'm going to go through the freshman shows real quick. Can you tell me you, about any one of these? I think I might know the one you would talk about that catches your eye onto what you think of it being canceled. So you got Blood and Oil, The Family, which is a new one. It was a mid-season replacement. Of Kings and Prophets, The Muppets, and Wicked City. Now, of Kings and Prophets was only canceled was canceled after two episodes, and Wicked City was only canceled after three. Yeah, I mean those are some quick draws of like, oh, this is this is utter bullshit. We should probably try to redeem ourselves and take this off the air as quickly as possible, and make people believe that we didn't advertise the shit out of Wicked City for months before it came out, and just everything I watched on ABC. There was nine ads for this goddamn show, and I just yeah. watching, going, "That's gonna bomb." I'm almost positive that's gonna bomb. Mm-hmm. How did nobody else see that? Now, the one that I'm sort of surprised got canceled is the Muppets, because I mean, I I enjoyed that show. It wasn't perfect, but I felt like they were they were finding their voice with the second half of. Well, all the voices are wrong because, you know, Jim Henson's dead. Well, yeah, but you, you know what I mean. The, the metaphorical I know, voice. I know. That was an awful yeah, thing to say no, anyways. I was. love Jim Henson. Um, and I love the Muppets. I absolutely love the Muppets. This was not the Muppet show that I was looking for. I, I tried for the first few episodes, and it started out kind of like, okay, I see what they're doing with this. But then it got really bad, and then they came up, and they brought it in a new showrunner, but I don't think people came back when when they tried to sort of yeah. relaunch it mid-season. And some people were never going to love this take on the Muppets. Uh, the Muppets dating humans and Kermit being kind of a jerk and being angry all the time. Piggy being, you know, obsessed with Kermit 
with their breakup and stuff, Kermit dating this other pig uh, who was not interesting at all. It was just so many and things. Used. Yeah, it and the second half. Yeah, and the whole thing of like them acting the stuff with the the different actors that would come in, the Reese Witherspoon war between Piggy and her was just some terrible TV. I just I didn't love this as much as I want a Muppets TV series. And I I guess it's it's unlikely that we're ever going to get back that original Muppet show, that magic from from where it started. I didn't get to yeah. see Muppets Tonight when it was on in the 90s, but I enjoyed the Muppet movie that came out the the first one a couple years ago. I haven't seen the sequel yet, which mm-hmm. is weird because it is Tina Fey and I adore Tina Fey as well. But I just I don't know. I I just think that there was something there that wasn't going to click and it just never made it. And that's too bad. But hopefully yeah. they'll they'll retool and they still own the property. It's not like the Muppets are going to go away. They just have to figure out how to make them work again. Yeah. So on to CBS. CBS, we have a total of eight shows canceled. Technically nine if you want to look at Supergirl. But Supergirl moved... Well, if you want to look at Supergirl, you have to look somewhere else. Yeah. Supergirl moved from CBS to, to the CW and the production moved from LA to Vancouver to help save on production there. So there, that's that bit covered. But uh, CBS has CSI Cyber, Extend... Well, I'm just going to stop you right there. I want people, viewers or listeners, to imagine... Now, I'm a fat man who's old and has asthma, so I'm not going to literally do it, but just imagine me doing a victory lap around my room <laughs> because CSI Cyber is gone as it should be. Yeah, but here's where you stop. because And, and, and you, I'll get to it get to it here in like two more. So Extant, The Good Wife, Mike and Molly, Person of Interest, which I know Evan enjoyed because he, he talked about that quite frequently, and then Under the Dome, Angel from Hell, and Rush Hour. There's Evan also brought up the point that there's one other show that we do not know whether it's going to live or die, and that's Limitless. Yeah, and I dropped out of Limitless pretty early in the season, but Beatmaster has talked about it a lot. He's been it's, a big fan of it. It's good. It gets so good. The end is amazing. I mean, it's... Basically, there's a flood of NZT or NZT, as the uh, the black foreign guy says, which is I like saying that way too. But um, and then they're trying to figure out who the heads of basically who the heads of Hydra are in this way, and it works. Um, the, so moving on to the CW, uh, they they're the the ones who come out of this the least with the least shots fired. Because they only lose two shows. And they gain one. And they, they gain one, and then they still have the other shows that that will be coming out. You know, they picked up the pilots for, like Riverdale, which we'll, those we'll talk about tomorrow, uh, uh, next week's show. Um, but you they uh, canceled Beauty and the Beast after four seasons, and then Containment after one season. Now, Beauty and the Beast, I think they knew going in, much like uh, Person of Interest over on CBS, this was a planned thing. It wasn't like... They get to the end of the season and they don't know if they're renewed or not. Uh, Person of Interest, I believe, knew going into the season that it was going to be their last. Mm-hmm. Beauty of the Beast, I think it's the same thing. Uh, so they at least got to write their ending, which I think is a nice thing to do when it can happen. And it's yeah. important for fans of the show and for the, the cast of the show. They made something. They worked really hard on it. I mean, <clears throat> Beauty and the Beast, <clears throat> whatever you want to say about it. But they did at least give them the opportunity to say, here's where it's going to happen, the axe is coming, but be be prepared for that blow. 
and and do the best you can to finish things off in your own in your own way under your own power. And yeah. and I, I appreciate that. The next next is from Fox. We have American Idol ending after 15 seasons. Border Town, which was the animated take on the or sort of like the Simpsons when it had and it, I think it had Hank Azaria in there doing voices. Show uh, Cooper Barrett's Guide to Surviving Life, Grandfather, The Grinder, Second Chance, formerly known as The Frankenstein Code, and Minor- Minority Report all canceled. Fox can't seem to establish a show. It seems well, like Fox can't establish comedies, especially it seems. Or sci-fi. Yeah, well, they've never done well with sci-fi, even when their sci-fi shows are beloved, or you know, at least getting that fan following that maybe isn't enough for their numbers. Uh, Fox will hatchet the shit out of a show. Yet they're they're bringing back ones that you would think would already be gone a while ago, like mm-hmm. Sleepy Hollow. But Fox. Only one veteran show, and that, again, was because it was long in the tooth and was on its own terms. That's American Idol, which is a big show to lose. But everything else, out of their seven cancellations, six of them were freshman shows, and many of those were new comedies. I haven't seen Fox have luck with a new comedy since the... What is the one with... Andy Samberg. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, that, that seems to be the last one that, that's had some pull. Last Man on Earth, I'm surprised, is somehow still here. Yeah, Last Man on Earth. But Last Man on Earth has been getting really interesting. Interesting um, doesn't mean that I want to watch that thing. That guy just became so unlikable in the second episode and stayed that way. He, uh, he, he redeems himself. He, he redeems himself. Yeah, it seemed like he would redeem himself and then become a shit stand again almost instantly. The second season, he's he's redeemed himself. Yeah, we'll like see. You, I mean, we not me. I'm not watching it. But well, I've have been watching it, and I'm telling you, he's he redeemed himself. Like, because all everyone that he had been, you know, a real jackass to, they leave and go to Miami. So he's there. He's with Kristen Shaw's character, and they're doing this tour they go to the white house and they come back he accidentally leaves her and then she gets she goes back and they they meet up again and all this stuff but then we're slowly finding you know we meet his brother we meet uh phil phil miller's brother who's played by jason sudeikis who's an astronaut up in the international space station and that's great storytelling right there and it's by itself I don't know. I just remember that the best that the show ever was when was when he was talking to inanimate objects. Yeah. Check out season two. You don't need to see any of season one. Check out season two. It's one of my Hell saying. no. Hell no. Um, uh, <laughs> you are dead to me. Uh, Fox <laughs> comedy shows on Sunday night. But And speaking of, I mean, Cooper Barrett's Guide to Surviving Life was cute. It was all yeah. right for a couple episodes there. Uh, I watched... The first episode of The Grinder, and I think I watched a couple here and there. I, I wound up catching the end of it last week. And Minority Report was just... Well, it wasn't good. It really wasn't good. There was something about the characters that I sort of liked, but the show itself was terrible. Yeah. So in all of these cases, of any of these that I actually felt like trying, uh, I was pretty sure right away that I was never going to watch them again. And the ones that I didn't watch, like, Border Town, Grandfather, and Second Chance. Yeah, there was no way they were going to turn me around on any of those. It just it wasn't going to happen. So I'm not, I'm not missing any of these. And it just, I don't know, is it a quality control issue mm-hmm. for Fox that is putting these things on? It, it, it seems like if they're really going to have such a hard line of, like, 
we're gonna we're gonna do all these shows and anything that doesn't meet these these criteria, we're gonna axe. Well, then maybe you work harder at finding ones that meet those criteria first before you start putting the shit on the air. But then they go and they do their summer people having sex in reality shows thing up, and it's like, wow, I remember this crap when it was uh, Fuck Island or whatever it was a few years ago, and uh, they just don't give a goddamn. They just don't yeah. give a damn at all. So, and then finally from NBC, and this is where I think I might actually chime in with them, some of these. You have uh, 11 shows canceled altogether. You got Hannibal, Mr. Robinson, Mysteries of Laura, Undateable, which struggled, and I, but I'm sad to see it go. Uh, Best Time Ever with Neil Patrick Harris, which I'm also sad to see go. Coach, which was canceled before it even premiered. Didn't even make it out of the gate. Yeah. Crowded, which I enjoy, but I get at the same time. Game of Silence, Heartbeat, Heroes Reborn, and Telenovela, which Telenovela was a straight-to-series comedy. This was like they saw the they saw the script and they're like, okay, we, we're doing a full, we're doing a season order on this show. Yeah, but and, remember when FX paid Charlie Sheen to do a hundred episodes of whatever his goddamn piece of shit? Yeah, and and they're like. We're automatically giving you 100 episodes. We're going to get this thing all the way so that we can get syndication. And it was like something that we wanted to watch anyways. No, I and I, but I think that was it is they wanted to so they can get syndication so they can make slowly make back the money that it would have to make. Yeah, but no one's watching those episodes anyways. No, no yeah. But so Undateable for me is one that I'm sad to see go out of here. Like I mentioned, that and Best Time Ever. But that is because Best Time Ever seems like it's it'd be a good summer show. There's nothing else on. Put this on, you know. It's it, it was very limited in its in its run. You know, it's only yeah, like, what, NBC's filler weeks? shows like that are actually kind of fun. The yeah. the game night, the one with Hollywood Game Night. Yeah, that's a fun show too. It's not mm-hmm. something that I'm gonna watch religiously, but when there's nothing else on, and if it's like, especially in the summer, it just makes sense that, hey, I could watch Hollywood Game Night because well, it's there. But then you have Undateable. Undateable, I was watching each episode twice because yeah. they, when they did the switch to live. I was watching the East Coast version and, and then the West Coast version. And I'm going to I'm gonna admit, I, I watched some of the first season and said, fuck this, and left. And then when they started doing the live seasons uh, after that. I mean, this, particularly this last season, I watched the whole series of mm-hmm. this. And even though it wasn't well-written, the the ensemble cast and the way they interacted and the way they did the live stuff and, and how they would do the the back and forth between them, you just knew when they were going off Giving script. out a phone number. Giving yeah. out a, a Detroit area code phone number. To then get a call on the yes. show live on the air. It was a lot of fun. It, it it was something that I I kind of fell in love with, uh, in spite of myself, in spite of my bitter old soul. Mm-hmm. I loved Undateable, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm sad that it's not coming back. I really wish this cast could somehow get this just as a cable access show or something. I don't know. Just do it online. <laughs> I do like an improv thing every week. Oh, that'd be great. It, it's just so fun. And, uh, and but but it was the hardcore fans that were that were watching it. It's the people mm-hmm. who, who really love these people that were the only ones that were ever going to be into it. But they did call it. I believe Crystalia, as his character called it, when they brought in Whitney uh, Whitney Cummings. Oh yeah, and she called it too. It was like, hey, I will 
cancel this show too. You know, and that's that's what I loved. It was the moments where they broke, and it was not it it wasn't like SNL where you had Stefan where he would he would do this like you had a uh, Bill Hader where he would put his hands over his mouth because he was smiling and bra- and broke as a character. It was they would continue with it, make a comment about what's the dude's name, um, Brett Morin with the stand-up special on Netflix yeah. that week, or even throwing out, you know, the, it ended at the start of the Flint water crisis, you know, when that was brought to attention. And it was like, this was one of the shows that because it was set in Detroit that they're like, all right, we're going to be, we're with you guys, you know? Yeah. It probably didn't hurt my love of it that it was set in Detroit too. Yeah. Um, although the outside shots looked like a, the back lot, but Hey, what can you do? Yeah. Well, that's, that's expected. They're not going to film in Detroit. Some of those people are white. <laughs> now, Beatmaster brought this up before the show started. Hannibal, I don't even know if it really counts that it was canceled as far as the rest of this list, because it seems like it was canceled quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was summer, last summer or something. It, it, it's been a long time that we've known Hannibal wasn't coming back. I mean, some of these people have moved on to other shows already and uh, have, have podcasts about those shows. I, I do like... The fact that uh, Mads Michelson said he's not coming back to TV until Hannibal comes back, and he believes at some point Hannibal will return in one way or another. And I like that faith and that that drive to still continue the show somehow. That's nice. Hannibal was a show I didn't watch past the first season because it was just it was hard to. Um, it is a hard show to watch, but it was amazing what they were doing with it. You would almost say it's a hard show to stomach. Oh, sexy when you make those puns, sir. I like (laughs) that. Hand job for you coming up. Uh, Yeah, so it it was just, it was quite good. And it is one of those things that when it hits Netflix, I'm going to be happy to to watch it all in in some sitting where I'm probably going to only be able to eat rice cakes for three weeks. But understandable. Mr. Robinson was... (sighs) Dumb but fun and lived off of the charm of Craig Robinson. Yeah, it was one of those shows that I, in my ideal world, Mr. Robinson, Best Time Ever, and Undateable would be summer shows. They would they, they would be produced and to air in the summer when there's not a lot, you know, they don't really put new new stuff on. Like, I think last year, The, Fla- or the Flash re-aired all of season one in, in that the time or CW aired all the flash in the the span of their summer break leading up to season two. And like, it's like, okay, so why not put out, why not do these shows? If it's like, if you're going to break even and maybe that's the problem Things on the cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems, it seems like that's what they were made for and trying to turn them in anything else is what broke them. But they, Hey, I'm, I'm glad that we had undateable for when we had it. And uh, I'm glad that Heroes Reborn uh, took a bullet to the head because fuck that noise. Fuck that noise hard. There, there are certain things like the, the grand idea of we're going to bring this show back. This f- show had a fan following and, and it just it, it was ahead of its time or we just we know that it went off the rails a little bit in the last season. So we're going to fix it. We're going we're gonna to make it work. Heroes Reborn, um, Heroes didn't work past the first season. It didn't work past the last episode of the first season. Pretty much that episode was where it was like, 
oh, you guys have no idea how to close a story. Mm -hmm. And then they just rode the fuck-all train the rest of the way for three more seasons. And Evan's bringing up a, a, a point here that I'm going to counter. He's, he's saying Heroes, I'm assuming he meant Heroes Reborn, Heroes Reborn was only meant to be a miniseries. Yeah, much like Under the Dome was going to be a, a limited series, and yet it got canceled after three seasons. You know, typically when they say a limited series, like The Whispers or uh, I think Messengers over on CW, it's like, it's saying, watch this, but if it goes really, really good, then we'll do more. Yeah, we'll never say never. If, if you throw cash at us, uh, we will dance for you. Uh, but no, it, yeah. it just, it looked bad. It looked like all the wrong lessons were continued on into this. And I, I don't feel that I missed out on this show going away. I'm, I'm also just, I'm impressed with the, the gigantic nards of whoever said, Hey, you guys remember Coach? Why don't we do Coach again? Could 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 we could we why why would we do that? No, no, we can do it. No, no, you missed the point where I stopped myself and said why. No, but I mean all these people we can get them. They're available. I'm I'm fucking sure they're available. Um, did you watch Coach? Because no one should think that they are busy now. Uh, well, no. It, the guy was just on Parenthood recently. Yeah, and I remember how that got canceled because of low ratings too. Are you listening to yourself right now? Do you work for Fox? Are you just trying <laughs> to fuck with me? Um, no, remember this is NBC. Oh, it's NBC, you're right. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, just, I have nothing to say to that other than, um, hey, we have a Patreon. Uh, well, the network we're on has a Patreon and you could go if you go to uh, patreon.com slash galactic netcasts I believe is where where you have to go you can uh, support the shows or su support the network uh, in whole help us we're not wanting to make money well if you, you want to pledge a lot and we end up making money great hey but if we make over 25 bucks a month we could probably put coach back on the air for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> we should do that as a goal. If we get a thousand dollars a month. We'll bring back coach. But with this, you you do get rewards, and this is just helping to keep keep the lights on here. Because let's be honest, who wants to see a show look like this? There you go. Who wants to see a show look like that? It looked like a blog. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, but so you could do as little as a dollar. We're asking dollar a month, you know. And with that, you get access to our Patreon Slack, where you could chat with. Us chuckleheads at the we have rewards for one dollar, three dollars, and five dollars, and I believe twenty five dollars. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars is the magic fucking moment where you get to say, "Hey, uh, you galactic netcast dicks, you should do a podcast about nothing but uh, who did we say did Fantastic Four? Trank." Oh, yeah, Josh Trank. Just Josh Trank fan fiction. I'm not talking about fan fiction about the movies and stuff that he's either written or been a part of or made. No, I mean you write about Josh Trank, you know, going out on the road like a hobo and riding the trains and his adventures. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you do a podcast every month about that, and we'll do it. We'll do it. 20 yeah. solid bucks. I don't even know who's on the 20 anymore at this point. I think it's in limbo. You can just you can send us something with a picture on it, and it just says 20 next to it. You, you we'll probably do it. That's how we are. 
you want us to do to to do one of these shows? You want to see Corey do a comic book show? Which would mean he'd have to start reading comic books again. Fuck you. <laughs> Twenty dollars a month is all it would take. And also, um, like I said, we have we have goals for ourselves. You know, the more money we make, we're not that far from our next goal of fifty dollars to where we could start advertising and be like, hey, check us out, sort of deal. Which is really really cool. That's all at patreon.com slash galactic netcasts. If you want to contact us, we have a voicemail. That's at 805-328-3966. Or you could email us, mail at elsenerds.com, for all of our subscription options and links that can be found under the subscribe tab at gncast.com. You could join us on our Facebook page under Galactic Netcasts. Follow the show on Twitter, we're at Elsenerds. Or you can follow the network at Galactic Netcasts. Uh, you can also follow our producers, Beatmaster, who has been showing you the tangy stories up on your screen, if you've been watching the video, uh, at Beatmaster80, and our other producer, Evan Hurricane Rockty. Uh, he is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. Hold on, wouldn't his name be Evan Rockty like a hurricane? Yes, but, you know, simply put, you know, it's Rockty Hurricane Esquire. Yes. Um, and then I'm at that Gregor, and Corey is at Don't Ask Comics. And you can find my comics at don'tAskComics.com. Yes. And you can find me at that Gregor you, you, for basically everything. He'll he'll just be walking around the store after you, going yep. alms for the poor. <laughs> I made um, I made a Britishism for you. There you go. Out of love. Thank you. I appreciate that. And the last thing to say is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you guys next time. Or else. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.